Everyone. Every book. Every second is magical. This is our every. Welcome back to every everyone. I appreciate your patience during the holiday season. We ran into a, quite a few snafus around here. We are back and happy to bring to the table three more author interviews for your listening pleasure. We will also be resuming our reading of every Darkness Descending. Our first author, Anna Willett, released her suspense-filled mystery, The Newlywed, Gone But Not Forgotten, on January 10th of this year. This is her third mystery in the Cold Case Mystery series. After we read our chapter, we will hear about her mind-tingling novel and what she has to say about it, and if there is more to come. Last chapter we covered in Every Darkness Descending was the extravagant royal wedding. While the events leading up to his wedding night were strange and complicated, nothing could have prepared Hannah for the night his life turned upside down. Now, we continue on to see what Prince Hanner and his two lovely wives will do and how they cope with this loss and plan to rule the kingdom while dealing with this new threat, the darkness descending. Chapter 10 Crowned Through the Flames King Hanner Sokol sat in his chambers, lost in memories of the past week. The first was the best in his life, his hunt, wedding, and wedding night. As his thoughts hit that night, he cringed inwardly. It was then that began the worst night of his life. He had awoken to shouts projected through the castle. His parents were dead. His own life threatened. Tomorrow he would hold his parents' viewing and traditional public mourning. Today. He would be crowned King Hanner Sokol instead of Crown Prince. His wives had been collected earlier and taken to their old chambers for cleansing and dressing. Before he could ask them how they were, three priests entered his rooms, bowing low. Without speaking, they indicated the time had come. Prince Hanner followed the priests through the castle to the temple. At least this time I don't have to walk naked. My hearts, I pray for you, and I hope you slept well. I'm sorry you couldn't sleep longer. He looked grimly at the same altar table he was laid upon before the hunt, the memories of the uncomfortable night returning to him. At least you don't have to worry about breathing in this dress they made for us. If I pass out, you will catch me, right? This corset looks like it could kill. Prince Lista sent a distorted image of the course. Agreement and humor came from Kira. Their exchange caused the prince to be reprimanded for laughing during prayer. Prince Hanner spent the morning fervently praying, calming his mind, and thinking only of his duty to his people. When Trent came to collect him, he was covered from head to toe in golden glyphs. He rose as the servants entered the room and began applying his royal dress suit. Jewels befitted the king were tied to the feathers on his wings for decor. 
they would match his outfit perfectly. Their tinkling reminded him of his mother. Hours passed as they completed their work. Finally, when they deemed Hannah ready, they allowed him to view their work in a floor-length mirror. As he had thought, the suit matched the jewels on his wings well. The tunic was long and dark gray, complementing the fur of the collar. The trim of his tunic was the color of milk chocolate. Gold embroidery covered the cuffs, and the hawk emblem stood proud on the left shoulder. The pants matched the tunic and tucked into his new knee-high gold-encrusted boots without difficulty. Dressed and decorated, the prince was ready for the coronation to begin. Hannah took a few moments to compose himself, wishing his father could be here to brighten his mood. The inauguration was supposed to be a family celebration, but the event held more sadness than joy. The prince was led from the temple to the throne room, where the ceremony was finally prepared to begin. As the double doors opened to the throne room, Prince Hanner stepped in, head held high. Soldiers lined the walkway to the dais in front of the room. Princess Lista and Princess Kira silently joined him, standing at either side. The guards pulled their swords out swiftly and made an archway for the trochia to walk under. As they had been previously instructed, the trochia held their heads regally and walked down the aisle, eyes on the priest at the front. They stopped in front of the cushions placed on the ground for them to kneel on during the ceremony. The guards turned and knelt with their weapons pointed down in front of them, ready to defend the trochia should the need arise. Prince Hawkins struggled to present Prince Hanner with the sword his father had made him for the occasion. Finally, Hanner turned and faced the crowds. Loudly the priest challenged the room. Do any here wish to challenge the prince for his right to be crowned king of Sokol? Step forward now, or hold your peace forever. Slowly, the priest investigated every face for signs of doubt. When none stepped forward, the prince donned the sword belt and sheathed his sword. His attention turned to the crowd. Well, I'm glad to not have to kill anybody. That would put a damper on the celebrations later. Hush, and focus, my prince. Your wit will lose you the kingdom. I will take it from you myself if you do not say the words correctly. Princess Lista chided Prince Hanner quickly. Then she smiled broadly as they turned their attention back to the priest and solemn vows before them. The priest began prayers for the kingdom and the prince. Prince Hanner received the golden hawk in his right hand and held it aloft as he swore to rule and protect all people of the Sokol kingdom. He received the golden balance scales in his left hand and swore to rule the kingdom equally with his queens and uphold the law justly. The vows were repeated for each of the princesses, all kneeling with the symbols of the realm held aloft. Prince Hawkins stepped forward and placed the golden crown on top of his brother's head, the crown which had belonged to his father. The last oath of the kingdom uttered with sadness filling the room the king's loss weighing heavily on the attendees. Princess Haley came forward and placed on the middle finger of their right hand signet rings. Prince Hannah took a moment to look into his sister's eyes, which were wet and red from the tears she had allowed to fall. Her role in the ceremony brought her mourning of her mother to a breaking point. She smiled, small and fleeting, but she was very proud of him. The priest finished the ceremony and nodded to the trochia, 
who stood and turned to face the crowds, the priest announced to all, I present King Hanner Sokol, Queen Lista Zmaj Sokol, and Queen Kira Lysika Sokol. May their flight be long and productive. Thunderous cheers erupted from the crowds gathered. The priests placed the coronation items back into their chests. Only then could Hanner embrace his siblings and comment on his wife's gowns. Queen Kira and Queen Lista wore dresses of matching color, a light gray, with brown corsets trimming their waists. They stood beside each other, their families at their respective sides. The queens bowed as they caught the king's eyes, Kira smiling openly, and Lista's eyes were moist in the corners. I will have to call you my king now. How shall I ever fit your head into that crown? Queen Kira winked at the king, knowing that he was having difficulty pretending to be joyful. The evening celebrations loomed ahead, and there were still preparations for his parents' funeral. King Hanner raised his hand to calm the crowd. The banquet hall has been prepared for our ball. Food, a circus, a band, dancing, and fun await us, as my father had planned. However, we still have an important task to perform. It is time to receive homage and vows from the lord of the houses who remain loyal to our throne. Come with me, my queens, and receive our lord's vows. Your thrones have been placed next to mine. This will be a lengthy task. Hanner frowned as he gestured for the queens to take their places. King Hanner followed his queens to the dais and sat on the throne. Lord Soko of the Falcon family was the first to kneel at the dais. As the first cousin to the crown, I claim first honor to kneel before you, King Hanner, as I did your father. May your flight be long and prosperous. From our fertile lands our family offers a gift of fine silk cloth, excellent quality, and length for your ladies, should they like the designs. We also offer our finest fire whiskey for your coronation celebrations. My sons and I pledge our lives swords, lands, and family to the crown. We will come when called, and fight for our rightful king. Yours to our death, my king." The following two hours flew by in repeated ritual, as each of the lords was announced, produced their gift to the trochia, and swore fealty to the crown. Finally, after the last lord's household had performed their task, a thunderous applause exploded from the awaiting dignitaries. King Hanner stood to acknowledge his people, hand raised for quiet. I appreciate the recognition and promise to uphold my vows, making this kingdom into a greater kingdom for it. I shall rule justly as my father has before me. May the gods embrace him. Tomorrow we mourn the death of our king and his queen. Tonight, though, we celebrate. As they opened, he gestured to the double doors and servants entered to lead the way into the banquet hall. King Hanner sighed as he stood, watching the retreat of the people. I am glad that's done. Now I wish I could sneak off and sleep. He glanced around to see if it was possible to sneak off and just go to bed. Oh, oh, oh no, no, you, no, you don't. don't. Two voices sounded in Hanner's head as he spotted the two queens making their way to him. Queen Kira had a mutinous look on her face, 
and Queen Lista looked like she was stalking him. They took his arms and gently pulled him. King Hanner knew he was trapped. He led them into the banquet hall, and as he entered with the queens, Aruz stuck his head through the opening between Lista and Hanner, gazing up at the couple. King Hanner laughed at him and pet his head, motioning for a servant to take him aside and feed him. "'Has he been moping this entire time?' he asked. Queen Lista giggled as she said, "'He's been well tended, my king. Unfortunately, he decided to sleep at my feet this morning as I prepared for ceremonies.' She finally rolled her eyes, indicating she was amused, but had lost a step or two over it. Queen Kira smiled as she watched her little sister play with one of the Zmaj princes. How soon do they demand you meet your heir's vow? How shall we decide who will be your heir? Should we have a child at the same time? Lysikins grow and mature quickly in the first few years. Their growth slows when they reach two or three. I fear we will have troubles ahead, and I don't know if I can wait three years to have a child grow up before we take on the darkness. Lista looked at Kira, her eyes showing concerns at the ideas in Kira's mind. She said nothing and turned to greet a lord and his wife who had approached. My treasures, we will worry about heirs when the time comes, which will not be any time soon. But since you dragged me in here, I expect dancing. Hanno looked at Kira with a smile on his face, knowing she couldn't resist. She took his hand as he raised the other to begin the band. Lissa watched them twirl and thin around the dance floor until her view was blocked. King Ifri had stepped in front of her, his imposing figure demanding her attention. He looked down as he whispered, I apologize, my angel, for my behavior. I had not thought of losing you to the king. The Lysikans are more like them than us. I am proud you could save his life, annoyed it cost you the bond, but happy you are content. I do not give you enough credit for your abilities. Now you are queen. Can you forgive your old pa? I know I have not been kind to you lately. He glanced at her eyes as he looked up for her answers. Tears streamed down her face. She paused for a moment before saying in a shaky voice, Only if my old Paul will dance with his daughter like he did when she was little. He beamed at her as he took her hand and led her to the dance floor. Hours ticked by in joy and excitement. As the circus performed, the food and wine were consumed liberally, and dancing continued. Finally, in the early morning King Hanner stood, calling attention to himself and waiting for quiet. We must break up this great party, as we have a funeral tomorrow. We all need rest to mourn our fallen king and queen respectfully. With sadness overcoming his countenance, he motioned for everyone to make their way to their chambers for rest. King Hanner gratefully saw them to the doors before he turned toward his chambers. Oh. Finally, sleep, he thought as a ruse ran before him down the corridor. Entering his bedchamber, he noticed several servants preparing for the morning. Trent stood, waiting at the door to consult with the king. 
Traditional funerals hold a viewing and open mourning in the morning, lasting most of the day. Do you wish to change those accommodations, my king? Trent bowed low, his face schooled to peace, his eyes red from tears he allowed to fall earlier. King Hanner shook his head and sat in his chair slowly. The queens were undressing and preparing to climb in bed, as Trent continued. I have arranged for the pyre to begin construction around noon. It will be complete for nightfall when we begin our ceremonies. Hanner nodded and leaned forward in his chair, rubbing his face anxiously. It sounds like you have everything in hand, Trent. So, there are guards posted in their chambers to prevent any desecration? Trent nodded and bowed his head. Good. You retire. Get some rest. Tomorrow is another trying day. Dismissed, Trent turned and left the room. King Hanner woke early and attended the viewing of his parents, sadness and despair forcing him to grieve them. Next, he tended to his brother and his sister's needs, his queens ever-present when each of them needed support. Finally, Hanner sat in his chambers, awaiting nightfall and the time he could light the funeral pyre. His siblings had taken it very hard. Queen Lista had spent the whole day holding Prince Hawken, as he didn't understand why his mother wouldn't come to him. Princess Haley cried silently at the family viewing, King Hanner hopeless to console her. "'Husband, your thoughts trouble me. Lista tends to the fledgling for you, and I am left to tend to you. I fell at my attempts to console you. Tell me, what would you have me do?' Kira knelt before Hanner and laid her head in his lap, hoping to gain his attention. Instead, Hannah looked down at her and smiled a small smile. Fleeting was the joy her presence brought to his heart. Tonight, we lay my parents to their final rest. Tomorrow, I address the nobles who have gathered. We shall determine what we know of the uni and how to defeat them. King Ifri has sent his magi with all the tomes which mentioned them. Your mother, her most educated nobles. We will find the light to shine through the darkness. The gods have told me we would. I just wish it wouldn't have been so soon. He laid his hand on her head and caressed her cheek. I wish I had more time to enjoy just being married before I was thrust into being the king. It exhausts me how much there is to do, and my father's study haunts me. It leaves me no time to enjoy my life and my wife's. Hanner frowned again as he thought of another task he must remember. Husband, we have hands and minds. You rule equally with us. Let us bear your daily tasks while you mourn and attend the council tomorrow. Hawken understands his mother is gone and will sleep tonight. He misses her, Abner, and your father. He will recover swiftly. Lister walked through the door as she thought the last, frowning at his look of despair. She stood behind Hannah's chair and began kneading, massaging his shoulders, easing his tension, if only for a moment. The quiet was broken by Trent's arrival. Your grace, my queens, the time has arrived. Everyone is gathered for the funeral. Trent bowed and gestured toward the courtyard. Tears and redness continued to shine in his eyes. The king's death affected even those who served him.
Hanner rose from his chair and looked at his wives. The smiles on their faces allowed him to gather his courage to face the funeral pyre. He led the trochia to the courtyard and began the last ritual of the king. King Hanner looked at the forms of his parents, high on the pyre with remorse. The pyre itself was decorated with the banners of the kingdom. His mother was fitted into her wedding gown, his father his coronation suit. Both wore the coronation crowns as tradition demanded. Abner had been placed at the king's side, his fur waving in the breeze. Our king and queen dedicated their lives to the country and tradition. Their children were brought up to respect it. We gather today to mourn their passing. Hanner was forced to pause as he swallowed the fire welling up in his throat, choking his words. Tomorrow we learn how to destroy their murderer. The gods will hear our prayers as we commit our rulers to the wind. Their flight has ended. May the gods embrace them. Their rule continues through us. King Hanner allowed the sorrow he had bottled up to fill his heart and let the tears flow. He nodded to the priest who began the last prayer. When the prayer ended, the five highest-ranking nobles loyal to the throne took up the torches. Then, with King Hanner, they lit the pyre and stood back as the flames grew. Soon the entire structure was alight, and all stood silently and watched the fire. When the flames had consumed the royals, the trochia bowed to the pyre and, as one, turned and led the procession to the wake prepared for them in the banquet hall. All were in a somber mood as they entered. Soft music played, no dancing occurred. Dinner was served quickly and was quietly consumed. One by one, another tradition demanded that the nobles paid their respects to the king and reaffirmed their vows of fealty. Aruz stayed close to Hanner, his mood alerting the great cat, setting him on edge. Finally, when the nobles finished their toast and declarations, King Hanner rose to retire. Tomorrow, my lords, we begin. We began my reign, learning and fighting against the darkness. Rest now, for the future of our kingdom demands restitution of these crimes. He gestured to Aruz to lead the way and retired to his chambers, his wives at his side. Morning came too quickly for the king of Soko. Hanner had dreams through the night, some good, others disturbing. He rolled to his side and snuggled the body he felt next to him, only to hear a rough growl near his head. Then, blinking, he opened his eyes to realize Aruz was the only being left in his bed. Grumpily, he rose and began getting ready for the morning. Good morning, morning honey. Two voices sounded at once in his head. Hanner was still too grumpy at waking up alone to answer, but felt the amusement flow through the bond. We had matters to attend to so you could sleep and visit the council. It starts in one hour. Too bad you awoke. I was trying to think of some fun ways to get you out of bed. 
Queen Lista's voice sounded distracted and distant as she taunted him, alerting him she was nowhere close enough to following through on the promises. King Hanner dressed quickly as a servant brought in his breakfast, a ruse waiting his permission to go to the stables to eat. Hanner looked to the great cat and frowned. You'd so easily abandon me too, all for a nice slice of steak. What a protector you are! Go, eat! Ruse let out a tiny outraged roar and trotted to the door. He looked back as he walked through the door and hung his head in shame at his master's gaze. Don't be mean to him. He grieves with you. Your night terrors upset him. He didn't know how to save you from them. He didn't fall asleep all night watching you. I left because I didn't feel well enough to be of any service to you or him. Kira's voice sounded closer to Lista's, but a little off. Hannah couldn't stop the worry that flowed from him until she laughed. He saw the smile on her face and Hawking glued to her side as she entered the room. Do not worry, husband. I only feel a little ill. I have felt better since breakfast. Hawking here wanted to see his big brother and ask a question. Kira gestured for the little boy to speak. Do I have to call you king all the time, Nar? Hanner couldn't help himself. He began laughing between the innocent question and the indulgent look on his wife's face. Finally, he pulled his younger brother to him and kissed his face. You, my dear little prince, can call me what you want in the private chambers. However, out of respect for our father's crown and country, if you speak with someone and address me, you have to say King Hanner. He tickled the feathers on his brother's wings before he let him go and straightened his suit. I know it has been rough for the last few days, but it's time for your lessons. Learn them well. I will see you at dinner. There will be cherries. Prince Hawken looked to his shoes and frowned. Yes, Nar. He hurried and ran from the room to get his lessons, hoping the cherries were on ice cream or pie. Queen Kira smiled widely as she watched the exchange and sat next to the king as he returned to his breakfast. Tell me, my love, what troubles you to illness? Hannah looked at Kira with curiosity. It's the animals, my husband. They scream in the night and set my head on fire with their thoughts. They all feel the darkness closing in. I haven't been able to spend much time meditating these last weeks. It weakens my control. She lowered her head to her hand as she spoke, the pain etched into the tiny lines of her face. You need to rest. Meditate. Sleep. I will have you resting today while I am in conference with the nobles. What, pray tell, is our wife doing so far away? Hanner finished his meal and stood, waiting for the answer before heading off to the nobles' meeting. I can answer for myself, Lista thought. She had been following the conversation, waiting for the time to tell the king what she was doing. I am tending to your tours scheduled by your father for today. Trent will assist me. We ensure you still have subjects to rule and a kingdom that runs smoothly. First, you need to tend to the darkness. Lista's remarks left the impression that she was tending to the minuscule tasks, as tedious as they were. 
leaving Hannah nothing but the meeting to attend to. Having no choice, he kissed Kira and gestured to the servant to tend to her as he walked out of his chambers to the war room. For hours the king and the nobles pored over the tomes and discussed their options. Hannah was beginning to get a headache from the influx of information. They learned from one book that the uni were gifted magi, each with unique talents discovered by the Brotherhood and nurtured after being kidnapped from their homes. They were high-born and low, Liskins, Maj, Sokol. Many were from the outer regions. None described the leader or how to stop him. A small paragraph under a picture of a foreign noble alluded to a weapon, but no description was given. The evening arrived, and the group was no closer to receiving an answer. King Hanner sat, thinking of the picture, when Trent came to his side. Your Grace, Prince Hawkins asks if you will be joining us. Four cherries. Dinner awaits the royal family. Shall I have them dine without you? Hanner smiled for the first time since he stepped into the room. You tell my greedy little prince brother not to touch those cherries until I get there. I will dismiss the nobles and attend dinner. He stood, cutting off conversation and addressing his nobles. Sleep on the information. Feed your bellies. We start again tomorrow. The nobles bowed as they exited the war room. Hanner left behind the last noble, determined his little brother wouldn't get the cherries at dinner, smiling at the thought. Dinner was a small family affair. Prince Hawken became the center of attention. Light conversation flowed about the rooms, lightening the hearts and minds of the adults. Princess Haley announced she was learning flying tricks with one of the noble boys which gave the young girl a round of innocent teasing about love. She flushed, denied it, making the laughter even louder. Venomously, she defended her age and womanhood. Having reached eighteen, she insinuated she was keeping an eye out for her future husband. King Hanner choked on his wine, thinking of his little sister marrying anyone. Dessert brought a cherry pie Hanner served one small cherry to his little brother, laughing at his fallen face. Finally, the servants took pity and gave him a larger serving, heaping the cherries on his plate. He grinned as he realized he had more than his big brother. Halfway through dessert, Hanner looked at Hawkin and found him fast asleep with cherry stains all over his face, fork still in his hand, only half the pie on his plate was eaten. King Hanner gestured to the poor boy, gaining his wife's attention. Poor lad can't hold his cherries. He has passed out. Such a lightweight. The ladies giggled as the king rose, brushing off a servant and lifting his little brother. Hanner took him down the hall to the nursery and laid him on his bed. Prince Hawkins sleepily yawned and whispered, Tell me Mama's favorite story, the one about Prince Dover and the magical armor. King Hanner froze, realizing why the picture and the tome seemed familiar earlier. King Hanner began to recite the tale of the first king of Sokol and his journey to becoming king. Disowned by his parents for not having dark magic, he traveled through the kingdoms seeking a wife 
who was pure of heart. Each region he went to could not produce a pure of heart woman, so they gave him a piece of magical armor and sent him to the next area. Finally, he ended up at Sokol, where the queen had recently lost her husband. The queen offered herself for her kingdom, with no one to give and no armor to bestow. Graciously, Prince Dover accepted, and the two were married, bonded, stood up to his family, and began the kingdom, praying one day for the darkness to be defeated forever. Prince Hawken fell fast asleep at the telling, and King Hanner ran from the room as soon as he did. Making Trent jump from his sudden appearance, Hanner nearly shouted as he entered the bedchamber, I know what we have to do! The weapon! The light! It's King Dover's armor! We have to find it! Lista and Kira glanced at each other and looked at Hanner, assessing his mental stability. Finding him in earnest and not tending toward insane, Lister gestured, Continue, my king. We do not know the story. Quickly Hannah retold the child's tale and waited for the queen's response. Surely this tale has some base in truth. Where would the armor be then? Kira sat thoughtfully, in taking the new information. My queen, Trent called attention to himself. The tale says the first king returned the armor and set guards against the darkness. They all looked at the servant as if he had just turned into a three-headed dragon. If that's the truth, it should be in our archives. The road will be dangerous and long, but that would be the point. Come, let us sleep on it. We shall search the tomes tomorrow with the council. To bed with you, my beauties. As they all climbed into bed, Ruse taking his place at the foot, they thought of ancient days and trials. Then, just before they drifted off to sleep, snuggled together, Hanner spoke in a low whisper. You better not leave me alone in bed with Aruz again. I shall have to punish both of you. He doesn't like to cuddle. The queens giggled an inch closer to their husband, sleep drawing them in for much-needed rest. Wow, what a chapter to get through. Loss is an important part of life. Almost as important as darkness is to the light. It will be interesting to follow the trochia as they continue to plan and act. But now, I bring you the interview you have been waiting for. Miss Anna Willett. These interview questions were answered by Miss Willett and will be read by me. Thank you, Miss Willett, for communicating with me to get these thoughtful answers to us so we can share them with your fans. What inspired Miss Anna to start writing and at what age? She says, I started writing short stories when I was in primary school, but then, as it has a way of doing, life got in the way. About 10 years ago, I started writing again, made the decision to take what I was doing seriously, and wrote a novel. I've written 16 novels since then. I write almost every day and couldn't imagine my life without writing. 
What was the first thing you wrote? Once I got back into writing, I wrote a number of short horror stories, then a novel. I put the horror novel aside and wrote a horror thriller, Backwoods Ripper. Backwoods Ripper was published in 2016. Since then, I've had 15 novels published, including the horror novel, Pest, that I set aside. But first, I went back and rewrote the story. I think experience helped me to rework the book and, I hope, improve on the original. Who are your favorite authors? I have many favorites. I enjoy Karen Slaughter, Michael Robotham, Michael Connolly, and Stephen King. East of Eden by John Steinbeck is one of my favorite books. I also enjoy reading things that are a bit out there and for that I turn to authors like Bentley Little and Richard Lehman. If the story sounds good, I'll read any genre. Now we speak to those who are aspiring to be an author. What advice do you have for those who wish to be published? Just write. Worry about fixing everything once you have that first draft completed. You can't polish what you don't have. What about those who wish to do self-publishing? It's a very viable option and a fantastic way for so many fantastic writers to take control of their work and goals. I've gone the traditional road and I'm happy with where I am. How do you picture your characters or scenes? I'm a huge film buff, so it's not surprising that most of what I write plays out in my mind like a film. I visit the location where the stories are set and take photographs. When I describe a character or even an action, I can see it in my mind. This book, The Newlywed, where did the inspiration come from? And is it personally related? I've always been fascinated by true crime, solved and unsolved, as well as crime fiction. I enjoy watching true crime documentaries and reading about infamous crimes. There is a very famous case in Western Austria where a woman was murdered and a high-ranking officer named her husband publicly as the prime suspect. The husband successfully sued the West Australian service for defamation. His wife's murderer remains unsolved. I drew inspiration from the case and as far as how the police's error in judgment in making such a public statement could stall a case and make future investigations very tricky. It could make interviewing the key players almost impossible. Everything else in the newlywed is pure fiction. How much time do you spend writing? I spend anywhere between one and two hours a day writing. As I approach the end of a novel, I spend longer. But as with all things, there are days when things take me away from writing. I try not to let too many days go by without at least writing a few hundred words or I lose momentum. What other work do you do? I teach part-time, but my passion is writing. Who in your family or friends reads your drafts before you publish? My husband and one of my daughters read all my novels before anyone else sees them. I really value their opinion and feedback. 
and they are both very supportive. For me, I need someone I can trust to read my work and tell me if I'm crazy or if the story really does make sense. I can really relate to that one. It's the same thing I do. Do you have any tours, online meetings, signings, or other meet and greet activities planned for this book? I have a lot of interviews on podcasts and blogs in the works for this book. The weeks following a launch are always busy. Is there any new works that we need to watch out for? I'm working on a new novel, another cold case mystery, again inspired by a famous unsolved West Austrian case. This story takes place in the Goldfields, a huge, rugged landscape dotted with small, remote communities, an area where so many people have vanished or perished. It's early days, but I'm hoping to have it finished in about three months. How do you go about promoting your books? My publisher takes the lead on the promotional side of things. But it is a joint effort. I use social media, I have a newsletter that I'm not very good at keeping up with. I have someone who looks after the PR for me whenever a new book comes out. There is definitely a big push that goes into making each book visible. Which actor or actress would you want to portray your leads in a movie setting? There is a wonderful Australian stage film and theater actress named Marta Dusselthorpe, who I think would be the perfect detective inspector Veronica Hope. Most recently she was in an Austrian drama series called The Twelve co-starring Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. What was the most challenging part of the book to write? Time and motivation. Finding the quiet time I need can be tricky. I need complete silence. No music or voices. I also need time to stare into space so it looks like I'm doing nothing. When it looks like I'm doing nothing, someone will start talking to me. I'm usually quite motivated to write, but when I've had a tough day at school or life throws up a problem, it's very difficult to be creative. Did you know what would happen in the book before you wrote it, or did the characters take over? I'm not a plotter, although I always have an outline in my mind. I know what I want to happen. Some of the story I know from the beginning, but the characters always take me on a journey, and that's when things get interesting. Some twists take me by surprise, sound crazy, but that's often the way it unfolds. Let's talk about you. Where are you from? What do you like? Anything you would like to tell your readers? I grew up in Perth, West Austria, living mostly near the beach. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. At heart, I am a family person, but I'm also a writer, a voracious reader, a film buff, a fashion enthusiast, and an animal lover. I'm not a fan of small talk, but I'm very chatty and always up for a laugh. Tell us the basic synopsis of the book, for those who haven't read it. On a holiday with her new husband in seaside town of Seabrick, newlywed, Jane Wilson vanishes without a trace. Years later, Detective Inspector Pope 
uncovers long buried secrets that led to a twisted truth unlike anything she's ever encountered. Where's the book on sale? The Newlywed is available on Amazon. Where can readers gush about your work where you can interact with them? My website on social media or through email. I love hearing from my readers. You can email willit, W-I-L-L-E-T-T, -T, 890, at outlook.com. Or visit her website at www.annawillett.info. Find her on Facebook. Just search Anna Willett. You can also find her on Goodreads, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for her. She's there. What will you find when you read the Cold Case series? In this, the third book, follow Detective Pope as she pulls the missing bride's case out of mothballs to find out what really happened after the couple traveled to meet Mrs. Will's husband's twin. Get caught up in the investigation, the twists and turns, until you reach what really happened. For I will not be telling you. Find her books, read them, and gush about them all over. We love you, Miss Willett. Thank you for the interview. Unfortunately, that is our time for today. Thank you for listening to Every, and I hope you join us for next episode when we talk about our next interviewee, author R.S. Penny in the first of his extraordinary new series featuring Vesla Kincaid, The Ancient Gate, The War for Ezrin, Book One. And we will be continuing on the next chapter of the Every series. Don't miss out on Chapter 11, A Child's Bedtime Story, where you learn about the trials and tribulations of King Dover. Can't wait to see you next time. Interested in hearing more? Have a question? Want the book? Find us on Facebook, Goodreads, and Twitter under every E-V-E-R-I. Catch the novels and audiobooks on Amazon and Audible. Shoot me some discussion questions. Catch you next time. Every.